You're listening to the Blender Animation Studio podcast, brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Are you harassed by a coyote? Meep meep your dweeb on the cloud. With us today are Luca Rod, hey. Pablo Vasquez, hey. Andy Goralchik. Hello. And I am I am not Yalti. Here's your host, Pablo. Oh wow. Hey. Hey, thank you very much, Steven. You're welcome. You did a great job. <laughs> Yalti, you should it's look at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, welcome to episode 57? 57, seven? Yeah. yes. It's 50 our house number. Oh, yeah, the Blender Institute house number. Yes. Welcome to episode 57A. Yes. So, today, we don't have some uh, part of the team. They're still at Seagraph. Um, well, not Seagraph, but they're in the States. Yeah, it's a long trip. It's very <laughs> far away, so it takes a lot of time to, to come back. Um, we have Don and Sergey back, but not, um, not Hjalti and... Uh, Francesco. Francesco. Yeah, but they will be back with lots of interesting stories. Yeah, yeah. The next podcast should be interesting. Mm-hmm. I know they've been traveling and uh, and the the Seagraph uh, booth was a success, I, I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really busy and Ton really said that he couldn't talk to anybody outside of the booth. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was so stream full of people. Yeah, I was. Uh, I wanted to ask the guys to uh, to take pictures and everything, but it was like you you, you can't see much. It's like just people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like uh, maybe early in the morning or something. But uh, it it was a great success. So uh, we're really happy about it. I think the main attraction was probably two point eight, of course, yeah. Eevee. Yeah, yeah. Eevee, lots of Eevee demos. Yeah. And even people from all over the graphics industry know about Eevee. They came there asking about Eevee. Wow. Uh, Disney, Pixar, uh, I don't know who anymore. The Nintendo, no, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great, because, uh, yeah, well, Eevee is like the next big thing, of course, 2.8. But but this week, the last week, actually, uh, something great happened before 2.8, right? What what comes before 2.80? Well, that is 2.79. 7.9, yeah. It, it's, we released it's, a Reese candidate. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it seems like forever ago, the 2.78. Yeah, um, yeah. I... I, I've been thinking about telling people to use the, the um, new media stuff, like where you just have a new FFmpeg interface. Oh yeah, and co- the coding. Because, yes. Um, and that was actually the first feature that got into the 2.79 uh, release log. Oh, It was, it was oh, for, for right. me the first time that I actually initialized the release log for a version. Uh-huh. Um, Progress. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and I, for so long, I've been trying to tell people, uh, what are you doing using that ancient version of Blender for yeah. with these horrible media settings? And then I realized, well, damn, we, we still haven't released. It that. hasn't been released. It's, it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably more than six months. So even more. Yeah. Yeah, probably. So um, it is coming. Mm-hmm. It's uh, release candidate number one has been released already a while ago. And everybody, it seems like I keep asking like, hey, report, report. And most of the people say it, it, it's okay, actually. It's like they, they can't wow. find any bugs. That's amazing. Or at least no huge uh, uh, showstoppers. But um, I hope we can do a release candidate number two. That way, that, that way we get a, even more uh, stable. Yeah. Because otherwise having A, B, C, and D is uh, so annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So release candidate... Um, well, There's I guess lots <laughs> of great things. Yeah, in it. I I just like uh, just uh, half an hour ago. I just wanted to browse through the release notes, and those things like they 
completely escape you if you're working with the, the fresh version every day when you're compiling it. But yeah, it's a lot of huge, huge features in this. Yes, yes, the list is huge. Um, uh, right now it's at the wiki, so the like the working space for the release log it usually happens uh, on the wiki, like in this new page that Severin made now. <laughs> but uh, usually it's just release notes slash the number uh, the version. Um, and then once they are like finished, they are moved into uh, Blender.org. And so far, it was basically a copy paste. So the pictures, every picture and 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 text that was on the wiki was migrated over. And uh, that text was mainly written by developers. So yeah. some things are very technical. And um, some of them are just, they were all in, in categories, right? So one of them is cycles. Yeah. But within cycles, you have denoiser, you have a shadow catcher, you have filmic. principal BSDF, you have filmic. Filmic, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's huge, <laughs> it's huge things. Uh, just to put it in one category. So uh, I decided to give some love to the release log page yeah. and uh, uh, split those uh, those categories, those big categories like cycles, into their own individual um, individual sections. Yeah. So one of them is denoiser, one of them... Um, uh, the PBR shader principle, PSDF, and uh, many others. So that's that was my my week <laughs> so far. Wow. But I think it it will help. Um, and I also plan to like link to the manual instead of linking to the wiki back to the wiki because oh, from good. the wiki there are no links actually. Yeah. And the documentation for denoising it's not bad, and for principle PSDF it's also not too bad. But I think it's good to to uh, have more attention on the manual because yeah. it's really getting better and better and better every time. So yeah, yeah. And I think this is the first release that we are using the docs.blender.org uh, domain like ah. officially. Oh, uh, previously it wasn't really. Um, it was blender.org slash manual, but it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. So now it's a bit more official, and we can use it. But what is your favorite setting? Uh, is your your favorite thing in Blender two seven? I mean, it Ooh. doesn't. Uh, we have here. We have two developers. One of them, uh, each of them, they made things for two point seventy nine. So. Despite yeah. <laughs> your inclination towards what you made, um, what's your favorite thing, Siren? Hmm. You had to pick one. Have to pick. I, 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 yeah, it must be the, it's really boring, but it must be filmic. If filmic. I look, yeah, if I look yeah. at the difference in the way things look, it's so much better, so much more realistic and so much less computery. Yeah. yeah, less blendery basically. <laughs> <laughs> so it will be harder to spot the the, the blender looking renders. Yeah, yeah. Can you spot a blender looking render if you see a bunch of renders from different software? Ah, uh, well, some not anymore, <laughs> but some years ago, yeah, definitely. Especially if they use like the uh, the lens aberration that that blender ones that. that What's it called? Lens distortion? The uh, lens distortion, yeah. yeah. Mm. Chromatic oh, aberration there. Ah, what, what uh, right. Yeah, Yeah, that, that one. Uh, that one is easy to spot. Or like the glare from Blender Compositor is so that yeah. like, you can tell. Um, the blue background that we have on a t-shirt now that is not blue anymore. <laughs> yep. um, that was one of the things that gave it away. Suzanne. Suzanne, yeah. yeah. Of Blender font. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a giveaway. Um, so, Filmic. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Andy, what's your favorite? Um, probably filmic, but also uh, principled. Um, most likely. I mean, it can probably uh, it has some room for optimization. And uh, right now on our uh, current animation project, I'm trying to go for 
almost everything uh, in, in principle. And uh, it, it has some trouble, of course, like clearing up a bit oh. uh, as opposed to like a, a custom hashtag PBR <laughs> yeah. setup that you've uh, uh, done within uh, using node groups. But uh, yeah, it's definitely great and it looks, uh, it looks really good. It also helps getting rid of that blender look um, or the, the typical cycles look where you, where you slap a mix node together and uh, with, with uh, glossy and, and, and diffuse. And then it kind of looks like chewing gum or so. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. It helps getting rid of that. And, uh, uh, I think but so, yeah. You also said to me at some point that you were afraid that it could cause too much noise without really being clear why. Um, uh, because it's all one black box, basically. So, do you, are you, Is that still a concern? Well, it's one node oh, with yeah, a lot of settings yeah. instead of being able to go in and... I mean, it's it it has... A, like in the tests I did, I, I had some... Like in, in simple situations, like where you have a largely diffuse uh, material with some specular on it, it was a bit, it took some more time to clear up completely. So it was a tiny bit no, more noisy. Okay. And it made the whole, uh, the, the whole rendering just a really tiny bit uh, slower. Hmm. Uh, I don't know, maybe I did something wrong or so, but I think it just can, it can use some optimization, of course. I mean, it's, it's not going to be as fast as a diffuse. Uh, BSDF or something like yeah. that. So I don't expect that. But maybe there's some room for, for improvement. So I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I hope because once more uh, projects are set up with the principal BSDF, they, it means that once they jump to Blender 2.8 or Eevee, they should look uh, closer to what they look on cycles because the idea is that now Eevee will try to use as much as possible information from the principal BSDF node. And then mm-hmm. that way you get it almost for free. Right? Oh, wow. So you get it nice in the yeah. viewport. So yeah, and it also when whenever there are new updates or optimization to the node, it will happen everywhere. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, also, like one thing I just found out that was I was completely oblivious to was uh, more presets for Rigify. Oh wow! Yeah. So um, I think with the last version there was uh, this. Uh, this Pitchapoy rig thing. Yeah. And now they completely revamped that and they didn't call that anymore. Like, like no, Pitchapoy. Not that weird name, whatever it was. And uh, now they have really nice presets for quadrupeds and uh, like there's also presets for animals. So they have a horse, they have a wolf, they have a cat. Which really? Which is amazing. And for a person who has completely no idea how to rig, like me, yeah, uh, that's, that's gold. That's just uh, amazing stuff. And it's like, full-fledged rigs with IKFK switching and that kind wow, of Wow, I didn't really know cool. that. Wow. That should be like in the release logs page on Blender. Yeah, like, I mean, it's an add-on, so... Yeah. But it's it's one of the major add-on uh, releases for this. Yeah. So it's an official add-on, right? It's, it's an official It's supported, so it could be in the release logs. Yeah, it should be. I think we should so, put as much as possible yeah. too, because yeah. I think that the add-ons page on the wiki is like the best-looking one because it had so many, um, yeah, so many pictures from people. <clears throat> I, I really hope we can move more into the official Blender. Yeah, and there's also one uh, note. Uh, well, not not a note. We'll get to that later. But <laughs> one modifier that Luca added—that's absolutely great. The surface deform. Right. And I think you've talked about it before. Yeah. Yeah. The only time I've been on the podcast before—that was the thing we talked about. Just one time. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, welcome yeah. back. And, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it took so long to release 2.79 that in the end, it's uh, yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> so, what, what does it do? Like you, you already explained this. Uh, yeah, well, it allows you to take uh, the surface of one mesh to drive the surface of another mesh, kind of like mesh deform, but instead of being inside a volume, it's actually the the surface itself. But I mean, it feels repetitive to what? <laughs> talk no, about this again. I, I think no, it's great because I mean, it's like it has some like mesh mesh deform has a different application to that yeah, so definitely. It's, it's kind of but it also like it's for some simple things it might be the best solution for example if you just want to have a really complex uh, subdivided sculpted surface and you want to deform that with a plane or something like oh that. yeah that's, definitely that's really cool or it, like we did for the agent where yeah exactly where we you can probably explain <laughs> that. the cloth thing yeah the cloth thing yeah, well, if you have uh, a lot of... Yeah, that, that's actually the main reason why I, I made it for a cloth simulation. But if you have a mesh with a lot of details, like, uh, I don't know, you might have seams that are modeled into the mesh and you might have uh, buttons or pockets or whatever. And these things will not be nice to simulate. You, you basically can't really have a cloth simulation with all these things on your mesh. You should have a more uniform uh, polygon Simple, distribution yeah. and you need to align your edges in the right direction for uh, for the to respect the the weave of the fabric and the weave. And, yeah, the weave. The dweaves? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the weave. the weave. So, um yeah, and then so you should have a, a special mesh specifically for the simulation. And you can also make it generally much more, much simpler, so that you have quicker simulation. And then you can bind it. The, you can bind the render mesh to the simulation mesh with the surface deform, and it will work, hopefully. Wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard there is some um, some videos coming around. I, I, I saw a video oh. on the developers channel. Yeah, there is a, a small demo of all the the character cloth scenes from the agent. With which, yeah, it is actually. I don't think it's even uh, mentioned that it's using the mesh deform. I, I, I think I forgot to add that part. Mm. <laughs> so it just says cloth simulation, but actually, it is uh, all you those, all, all everything that you see is being driven by the surface deform. Wait, I think we were saying mesh deform before. Surface, I'm always yeah. confused because the names are too similar. <laughs> I, I know it's my own thing, but still. Deform, deform. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but everything is using the surface deform there. Uh, That's cool. And except the belts, actually. The belts are directly simulated because they're simple enough. Nice. And there are some videos explaining this workflow on the, on the cloud coming up soon. I yeah, heard. hopefully. Awesome. Yeah, that will be up next week for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So, what is your favorite? Uh, cloud well, I, <laughs> no, I have no idea actually because uh, we've been working a lot on 2.8 and I've been kind of away from, from the master development. And also because the features have been uh, worked on for so long for 2.79 yeah. that I don't even remember what is actually new in 2.79 and what is what's before I have no well, idea. I'm kind of out of the loop actually yeah well <laughs> it, I'm right here, it's hard to stay in the loop the list is huge so yeah, I think so. we can finish the round and then we just go over all of them the, the, one, the remaining ones I think yeah. um, so 
principled Andy, filmic, Sivren. I'm really lost. Everything. Yeah. And um, noise for me, oh yeah, noise. <laughs> I haven't even tested it properly yet. So it's such a cliche to say noise because it has gotten so much hype already. So. Yeah. But it's it's extremely useful. Yeah. Like I, I, to I haven't it. tested everything, but I think there are a few things that I, uh, I will consider my favorite. I guess the main one maybe is filmic mm-hmm. because it's, it's easy and it's just, it just works basically. So yeah. that will make the huge, the biggest difference. But I think once uh, we go back into like a big production here at the studio, I think we are going to make use more of, well, it depends. If we get a sponsor AMD, <laughs> maybe we are going to use the new OpenCL uh, improvements. Um, but if we start moving our pipeline towards a Alembic-based pipeline, then we are going to make use of the amazing Alembic <laughs> <laughs> uh, improvements by, made by Dr. Sivren right here. Yeah, that was a lot of hard work. Uh, yeah. But so, what? What? How does it differ to the original implementation of Alembic? Um, Did you totally have to rewrite it, or I changed a lot of things around. Um, the original, the original, original implementation was given to us by uh, Dwarf Animation in the form of a patch, and then um, Kevin, Kevin Dietrich, he took it and integrated it properly into Blender. Uh, so that was in two point seven eight. But there was still a lot of uh, pretty much cut corners here and there and some things could be optimized and pretty much I cleaned up a lot of things and added then on top of that more support for uh, instancing and for importing, exporting different types of objects and making sure that Blender handles certain corner cases better so that it doesn't crash but just tells you that it doesn't work. did you ever get to uh, like? Uh, did you ever get to sort out the whole subframe issue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was also uh, that's huge some, some tweaking and yeah. But now you can say, uh, for example, that you if you want to have an 180 degree shutter, mm-hmm. you would say I think by hard from minus a quarter to plus a quarter frame because then you have a shutter open for mm-hmm. half a frame, and that corresponds and to what Blender is using for motion blur as well. There you go. Yeah. And then you can say, I want to have 20 samples for that period. And then from a quarter frame before to a quarter frame after each frame, it will write that many samples of the of the motion to the Alembic file. And a sample is a complete mesh or is it some, yes. like a shape key or something for a mesh? Uh, fortunately, Alembic uh, um, handles that transparently. So it is a complete mesh. But if it happens to be the exact same mesh as in the previous frame, except with a few vertices moved, it will only store those moved vertices. Mm-hmm. Um, but the file format itself can handle a completely new mesh on every frame. File will be huge, mm-hmm. but yeah. it, it can handle it. Wow. So sculpting and changing and ripping apart a mesh or everything for every frame is yep. possible. Yep. That's so cool. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, the the most important part, I think, is the integration with other software. So I've gotten from the community, I got examples, for example, from Houdini with a man walking through water and that was all simulated and splashing around. And now after I fixed the bug report where he attached it to, it actually works, including materials and uh, changing colors over time and all that kind of stuff. Wow. So that's pretty awesome. But then again, it's also limited because 
many softwares use custom properties, uh, including Blender itself, of course. And we don't support those in Alembic yet. And that is something that I would really like to have, that you can load any property from Alembic and then have that driven by Alembic itself and then saved again. That would make it interesting for, uh, even more interesting, I mean, to that, communicate stuff with other programs. Is that like vertex colors or so? Could it yeah, be Yeah, that is the thing. It can be used for anything. Mm -hmm. So it could be a single number that changes over time from zero to one. Mm -hmm to whole vertex groups and face configurations with changing colors. And you can even add an interpretation to it. So you can say these three numbers combined form a color or they form a vector or something else. And we really have to think about how to map that to Blender's internal structure in a way that we can save it back to a Lambic with as much of information attached to it. I was going to ask how you would access that. And I guess that's what you're talking about. You yeah. should figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. It's there more, uh, this, this development is sponsored, right? Yes. It was sponsored by Nimble Collective. Oh, thank you, Nimble, for making Alembic awesome. Yeah, yes, yes. Cool. Is there more uh, development planned after 279? Um. Yes and no. I'm not sure exactly about the planning, but we do have uh, big Some, ideas yeah. on how to improve the, how, well, basically how to 2.85 the Alembic interface. 2.85, <laughs> nice. And hopefully caches, new caches, and we will integrate stuff. Yes, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> new caches, what's that? <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, just basically replacing the point cache system for simulations and hopefully we make something that will integrate smoothly with Alembic so that we can have internal caches but also export everything and uh, keep everything consistent and one nice. cache system to rule them all yeah yeah awesome. hopefully oh that would be amazing 2.8 so i have here of course i don't nobody remembers the whole list <laughs> i think um but we can go through some of the, the other ones. I mean, we already mentioned the denoising, um, which I haven't used much. Andy, you have used it. Right? Yeah, I've used it. And is it promising? It's, is it as good as it sounds for animation? For anim Well, okay. Well, I've been mainly looking at it for, uh, I mean, for stills, it's, it's absolutely a lifesaver. Light, lightsaver, lightsaver light, yes. <laughs> lightsaver. Uh, it, it saves uh, render time. Yeah. Um, and I've been using it for uh, large renders mostly. So for um, the splash screen with the agent firing the hairdryer, oh. uh, I've used Denoise. And for uh, the gigantic uh, posters uh, that we rendered um, for the film premiere and all those big renders, like they would have, they're like 8,000 by 4,000 pixel renders. Ooh. So um, without denoising, it would have taken a lot longer because it just takes more time to clear it up. Yeah. Um, I think uh, for animation, it's uh, it's definitely more challenging um, because I mean you still have it's still base is based on blurring moving noise. So whatever you blur, if it's moving, it'll be moving. So yeah. uh, there's like lots of uh, flickering and detail it, gets lost, I guess. Uh, detail gets lost. I think that's based on what you actually feed into it. Uh, so I think with the, the stuff that we did for the agent with a lot of tiny specular uh, highlights and lots of um, uh, tiny, um, well, lots of detail on, on the ground 
and that kind of stuff, uh, it will probably get lost in the translation. Um, it's not as bad. I mean, it uh, still it uh, blurs um, after, like before it does all the uh, the bumps and everything. So all the bump detail is very crisp. Oh. Uh, like all that stuff, of course, uh, is like is kept in there. But then, uh, yeah, you, you lose some highlights. Uh, you, you some hi- well, I can't talk. <laughs> you lose some highlights in the specularity uh, and and also some high frequency detail in the textures, possibly. Um, but you gain shit loads of time. Uh, you, of time. Yeah, you save some time, <laughs> and and of course it depends. I think um, the the best cases uh, to to apply it is probably when whenever you well okay i can't say when when you don't uh, use it first i think you you shouldn't use it when you have animated noise because then everything is just going to be noisy but oh, when the seat is animated you mean yeah so um there i probably wouldn't use it because uh, it's just flut- everything is fluttering yeah. and then uh, of course you shouldn't use it with uh, too low sample amounts so I mean you can co- totally go crazy and render your scene with like 10 samples or so mm, yeah. and then denoise it but that's not the point yeah. the point is to just get rid of like when, when you're rendering you know, 400 and then okay 5, 6 yeah it's that last little bit that yeah. usually takes Whatever. so much yeah. time to just clear up that last bit, little bit of noise that it totally helps getting rid of it I mean for, for Cosmos Laundromat we had like we had these issues with, with like some shots in the jungle they took like 4,000 samples wow Whoa. and like for that for we could have just rendered it with eight hundred or a thousand samples and then just denoise denoise it over. It. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's only for getting rid of that last bit. And also, I think it's going to be problematic for lots of untextured surfaces, like really flat surfaces. Of course, you're going to yeah. see that that flickering going on. Um, so I think it's somewhere in between high frequency detailed stuff, but also like you shouldn't have no textures everywhere so if there is uh, subtle texturing uh, and you know nice bump maps and and, and good lighting then it's uh, it's well, definitely going to benefit from 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 that awesome so the, the noiser was made by Lucas right Lucas Lucas Stockner Stockner mm. yeah awesome so good job Lucas yeah um, that, that was for the noise then another huge thing that was made uh, mainly here by our other doctor was Shadow Catcher. Oh right, yeah. Yeah, the Shadow Catcher. So I, I haven't used it. <laughs> I haven't ever. used it actually either. But well, I pressed the button. It's just like one button basically yeah. that makes it um, like the only shadow that we had in Blender internal. We have in Blender because it's still internal. It's not mm-hmm. dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of in the corner, like <laughs> yeah, struggling. Yeah. Wow, this is this might be the last release with with Blender internal. Is it going out of 2.8? Well, right I'm now not it's, sure. it's, it's, it's still it's not in 2.8. It's but still there, but I mean... Yeah, but I don't think it's intended to be released. I don't want um, yeah, I mean, to be too controversial. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> not start, but it might be. I'm not sure, actually. But yeah. We should throw a party to Blender Internal if yeah. it yeah. happens. But basically, Shadow Catcher is it's that. It makes your mesh uh, only render the shadows that it casts, that, that, that are cast on, cast 
on on it. Yeah. And yeah. I think it only works if other objects are casting shadows on it. It's not for self-shadowing because I think that's one uh. of the biggest problems with shadow catches that all this issue that you can't separate between the shadows something else casts on that mesh uh, as opposed to the shadows that it itself catches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there is no such thing as shadows in ray tracing, really. You can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there are no shadows in the world. There is absence of light, right? Yeah. So you, you can wow, render so the light, poetic. you can't <laughs> render the non-light. So, so yeah, it's actually amazing if you can implement a good shadow catcher. So kudos. Yeah. Kudos. He's a doctor uh, for yeah, I bet the VFX community will be really happy because that way you can uh, mix your CG with uh, live action much, yeah. much more easy. Yeah. No more double rendering and then getting the the shadow pass <laughs> and then yeah, so <laughs> so complicated. Yeah. So awesome shadow catcher, the noise uh, principle. We already talked about it. Uh, AMD OpenCL optimizations. That's also huge. Um, Grease pencil. There are a few new tools uh, per layer onion skinning. And the new frame interpolation tools. So you can interpolate between frames now, it seems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you have a per layer onion skinning. So you don't have to have onion skinning on the whole. Um, oh, that's nice. So you oh, can only have cool. the, your character onion skin in the yeah, background. Just... Or parts of your character, whatever layer you have. That, oh, that's that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah, so, very convenient. Yeah. You have a lot of stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, Besides that, I'm just reading on, on the list. Let me we already mentioned UI. Oh, initial support for reusable custom configurations. Ah, yeah. yeah the, that also looks pretty cool. Application templates that yeah. we are, well, I haven't seen people using it I've, much I've, yet. I've looked at the button and I have tested what it does and it's pretty cool. So basically, oh, yeah. it's, it's um, you know, when you load Blender, it loads your preferences um, and everything from like your folder for your, from your settings for folder from uh, your user preferences the blend um, everything basically so once you uh, make a new application template this whole uh, directory it makes a whole new one including the ability to change the splash if you have an image that's called splash Whoa. and splash underscore 2 2x I think um, it, will, it will use that so uh, I've seen some people already wow taking advantage of that. I don't know if it was really planned because, you know, changing the splash of Blender is kind of controversial yeah. <laughs> because the splash is what, um, it was what gives it the official stamp, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you can build any fake Blender and put the splash and I mean, it would be the it same, but... be fake Blender, not real Blender. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly the same, but the splash that Ruined it's different. Everything. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm not sure, but uh, if that was safe, but at least it lets you save uh, all the user preferences and everything. But hold on, is it is it the 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 entire user preferences, everything? I thought it was only the contents of the scene and the configuration of the startup blend file. Um, Am I not totally sure? Have you seen? I think scripts even and everything. I, I don't want to even right, like yeah. start talking about mm-hmm. without. Um, actually checking it much but the idea is that you can have a whole different blender pretty much mm-hmm. um, right there and um, with a name and everything so you can share it and you can have a simplified it's, it's part of like the the, the blender 101 mm-hmm. um, project which allows you to customize blender and the UI and everything and make it look completely different uh, in a good way or in, in a bad way too. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
automatic DPI scaling. That's another oh, thing. Oh, that, that one's controversial. controversial. Very controversial. Yeah, very We've controversial. had quite a few discussions about that here in the studio. Yeah. What kind of discussions? Like the, the user interface scaling. Yes. The one with the shouting. Yes. <laughs> the one with the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's multiple. <laughs> yeah. Well, making software is complicated, yeah. especially mm. with people online. So um, this setting used to be uh, one setting that you changed to from uh, native pixel to double pixel size. Um, so when the operating system doesn't support natively uh, dual, uh, like high DPI screens, you have you can force Blender to use double the the pixel size. So that yeah. way it will make it look twice as big. Yeah, and and uh, all the lines around buttons and divider lines and those kind of things then take two pixels instead of one. Uh, yeah, I didn't know it was that specific effect of that specific setting. Uh, yeah, everything just twice as big. So uh, if the operating system doesn't support that, you can force Blender. But if the operating system um, uh, supports that setting, Blender would automatically, uh, by using the native even setting, it will automatically make it twice as big. Yeah, um, so, so you can have a, a high DPI monitor and a regular monitor and then two Blender windows, and they will show the same thing, Yeah, automatically scaling for the high DPI one. Oh, so yeah. that's cool. But yeah. then now it became uh, one slider that automatically changes after 1.5 or so, yeah. and then that is bringing some issues now. That they found out that the SIGGRAPH with the 8K screen. Oh, right. Um, so, but hold on, it was different because I remember in the user preferences there was this DPI slider. Yeah. And now it does and it's the, still a slider. And the other setting, the pixel oh, size okay, setting. I didn't know that. And now it's just the one slider is an interface called scaling, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it does both, but uh, I think it should be back to two options because, um, yeah, not every, it doesn't work perfectly in every mm -hmm. case. So, and yeah, apparently there are issues with the detection and also the some sub pixel stuff because it should just be like two pixels and then it's perfect and crisp and everything. But if you have sub pixel sizes, like 1.72 pixels then you start getting like anti-aliasing stuff and everything looks blurred and weird I think I'm not completely sure about the issues that were happening but I uh, I think there was something like that and then yeah I, I think the some font the issues or something. yeah that there's two issues I think one is that it's based on auto detection from the uh, operating system right yeah um, but then Blender doesn't tell you what it auto detected so you can't even tell if it got it wrong um, so it takes away control from the user. There's no override at all. Yeah. And then there is that two settings now became one. So maybe you want to have that double pixel, but still slightly smaller fonts. And now that's yeah. impossible. So, um, yeah. But then you can just zoom in, right? If you want yeah. a bigger font, you can still yes, zoom in on the window. Uh, can you? No, the, or at least in the what's it called in the toolbar. Yeah, the some some parts you can. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. but that's not the whole interface. So. Yeah. True. Oh well, um, <laughs> interface got so many little changes that um, that I, I was looking through like such a simple thing that it wasn't there before. Is that some buttons when they're disabled now they sh they tell you why they're disabled. Yeah. Um, that was that wasn't there. I can't even think of. Like with the time where they were in there, actually, but two seven eight, they were not. Yeah. Um, so basically, when the button is disabled, now it shows in red. I don't know why red, but yeah, it shows in red that it um, why the reason why it's disabled. So that makes it much more convenient. You don't you you don't have to guess 
Yeah, I, I have to look up how you do that because uh, I want to add that kind of stuff to uh, to the Blender Cloud add-on and yeah, things like that yeah. as well. But I'm, you, you, you can't do that generically. You have to get, as a programmer, off those buttons in the drawing code. I'm sure you have to give up that reason. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's new API for the for the oper- when you add an operator in the in the code. Yeah, you have there's a new API for there's a new property or something uh, argument. I mean, in the thing, in the thing. <laughs> so, right. So I, I'm not, someone was talking about this, and yeah. So uh, so it's something that the poll method can can handle. Or something. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's when you. Not even in in your draw function when you have like the operator thingy that you add in the layout, you give uh, an argument, I think, like okay. description and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, but I'm not sure. But it's something. There is a slightly new API for adding stuff to the interface in general. I have to look it up. What? But it seems to be very simple. And someone was saying that everything actually should be replaced with the new API with the with this thing. Where oh yeah, yeah, personally, I hate it when a button is disabled yeah, and right. it doesn't tell me why in yeah. any program. Yeah. No, it's so annoying. Except yeah. Blender, not anymore. But yeah. that has to be added one by one. So yeah. um, it will be a matter of time until most of the, or all of them, uh, get yeah. <laughs> get the treatment. So yeah. if you find one, just poke a developer friendly and ask to, or, or write yourself a, a, the reason why and then poke a developer, hey, maybe this is the reason why it's disabled. Oh no! Cool. What? No! What? Well, <laughs> in the change log, like yeah. in, the, in the release log, yeah, this thing that I want to know is the only item in the list of other improvements where it's mentioned. Yeah, that doesn't link to a Git commit that actually implemented that. <laughs> ah. So there is no extra information on how to handle this. Right. The the, the why it's disabled thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm looking at the same. It's the only one that doesn't have. So there yeah. you go. You have a nice task. Now. <laughs> um, but even even like Control Tab and Control Shift Tab to to switch the properties editor editor tabs. What is that? I I made that myself. I put it on my own, my own add-on, but I didn't know it was uh, official. That's pretty cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. I like. I made it just for fun. Huh? Congratulations. Well, I mean, it was there was a discussion on Twitter, and I made the add-on for that, or I put it on Amaranth, I think. For Amaranth, is so many things, and um, yeah, now it's official. So I may have to remove. Actually, like, uh, many many settings from Amaranth have uh, graduated to, uh, to mm, official. Nice. So that's pretty cool. Um, then uh, other things like shortcuts, new new options support uh, shortcuts that before they weren't like the the eyedropper uh, operator to to choose an object or the, yeah. the one you press E to pick an object from the scene that was hard coded to E. Mm. Mm, bad, bad. Shouldn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, everyone's looking at their phones right now. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to keep up with the well, changes. That, yeah. That's what you get when you don't have a live stream video. Yeah, then right. you don't have so, to look nice. My favorite obscure thing is one that I just found, but I'd put my phone down. Is the one by Sergey that I completely forgot he added, what? which is duplication of particle systems on um, on on an object. So you have an you have uh, a mesh and you have a grass. Thing. Yeah, you have a hair particle system. Before that, you just had to add a new particle system, and then it you would have had to link the whole thing, 
and then but then the problem was if one of them was baked or something you couldn't access everything and that was like a huge problem so right now um, you don't have to create a particle system and it then makes like an empty data block or something you can just choose duplicate, duplicate. yeah Ooh. So, oh well, that sounds big. I just <laughs> <laughs> it's tiny. <laughs> well, I mean, for if, there must be someone it's, somewhere that its only job or well, main thing is to duplicate. Well, that was me at some <laughs> that point. That was you. And that's when I asked for <laughs> that feature because it was yeah. really. So that's annoying. how things happen. I don't, I don't remember why it was exactly, but it was some weird issue where I couldn't, like, I had to measures or something. I, I remember you confusing. struggling with yeah. particle systems where the hair was edited, like combed and, and that right. stuff. Yeah, and then you, the you, you couldn't Coral. duplicate it no. anymore. That's true. Yeah, it's for edited particle systems. Yes. So it would copy uh, the 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 edit the editing of the grooming of the particle system over. Yeah. Because like if you have a nice hairstyle, for example, and you want to add another layer that's yeah. based on that hairstyle, you would have to start completely from scratch before. Yeah. yeah. And now you can just duplicate. Yeah. That's yeah. that's the thing, and that's yeah. that's actually big ish. No, so, it's yeah. huge. Yeah, I remember. I think it was added uh, one. When we were working in some characters and they were sent to rig and then sent back, and sometimes the 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 hair will be lost or something. No, I think I remember it. Well, sorry for no, but uh, I think <laughs> I remember it when. Uh, oh, I, I used it for that. I was I was doing the agent hair, and I wanted to add uh, some differently shaped, like some little strands of extra hair or something like that, to just make the hair more uh, alive and not like a cookie cutter form and that's when I had to duplicate it so that's it yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, 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 it's huge, yes, but, it, it is huge but actually everything because that's uh, the the particle cache that wasn't being copied uh, and all the things that are cached are not being copied when you duplicate them yeah so uh, when I was working on cloth also you would duplicate the cloth object that was simulated and you would lose the simulation on the copy mm. and sometimes you just want the same thing with the just duplicated and you want to keep the simulation yeah. the baked simulation on both so yeah in the cloth branch I did the same thing just copy the the data from the cache and uh, that's useful. We should. I think we should have that for everything that is cached. We should every time you duplicate it, should just copy the whole cache. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, or I mean, at least well, to make it more clear, it should. There should probably be a central location in Blender, like a cache manager, where you. Oh yeah. Know, oh, th these are your caches. But that's <laughs> a big fit feature. That's a completely yeah. new system. I mean, but for the current system, at least just copying the caches when you copy something that contains a cache. Yeah. Yeah. Because why would you clear the cache? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, but if you, for example, you if you do a linked copy, then it should link to the cache. Probably. Yeah, but then it's linking to the whole thing, not only the cache, and then it will not. It's not duplicating anything. Then it's fine. Yeah. That would work implicitly already, like inherently. Probably. <laughs> probably <laughs> linked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and then there is like a list of over twenty or like twenty-three add-ons that were added plus uh, updated. So what? What? <laughs> Why? What is it? Yeah, like what? Why were so many add-ons? What, what? Have you seen the list of, of add-ons? I looked at them, and uh, as I said, the the whole rigify thing that yeah, that, okay, that's huge. Like, yeah. like 
I was amazed how many great things there are now. Um, but yeah, lots of uh, cool, um, you know, lots of cool tools for mesh editing and extra objects and the, uh, what's it called? The tissue add-on looks, tissue. looks incredible. Like you can have some kind of custom mesh pattern for that you use to cover an entire surface. You can do strange things with it. I haven't used it, but it looks great from the picture. So I'm definitely going to check that out. Wow. No, I haven't. And then there's one for skies, right? Yeah. 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 And um, I'm, I'm lost. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have to, I have to. Lots of things. But all these are going to be on the cool feature page that you're making, right? Yes. I'm going to copy paste. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to uh, know them by heart. I'm going to know them. Yeah, no. I mean, there is uh, Archie, but like if I mentioned there's Archie Pack. I, li- I love the names. Magic UV. Oh my mm. God. Magic edit tools. That's nice. Skinify, display tools, brush menus, B-trace. Yeah, the one that I really like is the export paper model. Oh, just, yeah. oh yeah. Just the idea that you can make something in Blender and then without buying a, an expensive 3D printer or, or something, just you can print it in a printer or to paper. And I, then I've used that. You've yeah, also uh, used it. I've also used it. I yeah. made a Suzanne hat with it and put it on my face. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean, finally, right? I mean, this should have been in Blender for ages, actually. I, I think mean, the add-on is there in the official add-ons. You can just enable it. But yeah, I mean, now. But it's yeah, that's now a before probably was like a, in it, contrib? Was, it was it, in the country. It was probably in country. Yeah. Which I mean, we, if, if you're a compiled Blender, you have country anyway. Yeah. So it's like it's hard to if tell which yourself. ones are. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um. But then there, I read someone very happy about the materials library add-on, which I haven't tested yet, but it says it's very promising. Have you tried it? No, gonna no. check it out. Materials library, so you can even add your own libraries, your own uh, materials, and then right. nice crazy stuff like yeah. Uh, I wish that would actually be like built in in Blender. Yeah, and I, was, every level. I was actually wondering because lots of these add-ons are changing just little things sometimes, like a new a new tool menu or something like that at which point does it make sense to include that or i mean or should uh, should it just be clear that blender is this vanilla thing and then you enable functions one by one or how is that supposed to be handled um one one of the things that tonal was told me is that if something should like python should not be able to do anything that the user can't do so in fact, if you want to add more functionality to Blender, you should actually do it in C as part of Blender. So these kind of add-ons where you add really important things that a lot of people can use, like um, a material library system. Maybe at some point it will be interesting even to migrate that from Python to C and really have it integrated well into Blender itself. But isn't that part of... like? Asset management, yeah, in general, yeah, I think that in two point eight, yeah. in this in this case, yeah. this it's very obvious, obvious. yeah, yeah. yeah. But for example, whatever. like as an example, there's this one add-on now uh, that's called Auto Mirror. It only adds, it only slices a mesh into half, adds a mirror modifier, and goes into edit mode or something like that. Really? Yeah, and that's an add-on. <laughs> And hmm. I think it's great for people who do a lot of mirroring, but then you should ask yourself, should it be, should that be a thing that's in Blender or is it just specific to a certain workflow? Because I've been doing that. I've uh, yeah, cut things yeah. in half. I think it's a balance that you always have to consider. Um, 
mean, you you first want if you can make something as an add-on. I, w- I would always start making it as an add-on because then people can just try it out and mm-hmm. you can learn more about how it's useful. Easy to prototype, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, um, but if we take all the add-ons that there are and make them part of Blender, then you you won't see anything of the 3D <laughs> viewport anymore because it's so crowded <laughs> with all the other buttons. Yeah, so, maybe yeah. there should be a way to see if people are using an add-on a lot. And With then the it should be add-on possible. manager, yeah. maybe. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Of this add-on has been downloaded 50 billion times. Might <laughs> be interesting to, to do, yeah. But like download stats we can do, of course, if you're hosting the package uh, manager, yeah. like the package repository server, you can keep track of who, well, not who, but how many times a thing is downloaded. But we're really, really careful with when it comes to networking from Blender itself. Also with the Blender ID authentication add-on and with the Blender Cloud add-on, it doesn't do any networking at all until you click on a button. So we don't automatically check if your authentication token is still valid every time you mm. you open Blender. So also just sending the fact that you've enabled or disabled an add-on, I don't oh, think no, we should no, do. Oh, no, no, definitely not. That should be an, maybe an opt-in add-on itself even to share the stats maybe uh, anonymously to um, whatever for these kind of things, for example. Or and people then it can could, just vote for it. Yeah, vote. But um, I mean, it wouldn't be even nice too. It's just to to say, okay, share my stats anonymous, anonymously. And then it will share, um, I don't know, things like which settings are enabled in the user pref. So you, you can see which one are the most popular ones or which, uh, um, I don't know, anything, which, which add-ons are enabled, which... <laughs> So many yeah. Although I feel like you said that maybe there should be an add-on to to check this, this stuff and, and yeah, send it. Button and but send. I feel like if someone would enable an add-on like this, it is someone who really likes add-ons. <laughs> <in general. Yes. laughs> and this person would have a lot more add-ons enabled than than average. Yeah. So it's like, wow, I love add-ons. I should enable all of them. <laughs> It's so a social media not, network for yeah. add-ons. So I'm not sure if this would be effective in getting real statistics. Yeah. It would be biased towards lots uh, of add-ons true. being yeah. enabled. Someone with a lots of add-ons, yeah. yeah. Oh, well. But that kind of things would be great. Um, I remember there was a project that um, it was a special version of Blender that you could use and it will... Uh, log a lot of the things that you were doing, most of the things that you were doing actually locally, and then you could share that log um, and that way you could like gather stats about the usage of tools and everything. And that would that yeah. would be pretty interesting. It was its own version of Blender. It was never built in the in Blender itself. It was its own version that somebody put up online somewhere. Um, but it was an interesting experiment, I think. Yeah. And I think I would love to see for how many people enable and disable certain preferences, and because yeah. there are options there that they always enable. Yeah. When when I have a fresh new blender, like zooming to the mouse cursor instead of the center of the screen. You. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why it's a preference. Yeah. <laughs> Turntable instead of trackball. E- oh yeah. Wait, which one's no, the wait. good one? Uh, uh, Turntable. What? Turntable. <laughs> turntable. Definitely. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Turntable is the one that keeps the horizon. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's horrible. No, no, no. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have a. Uh, okay, so we need to cut this here. <laughs> um, but we're pretty much through the list, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I think we went through most of the things. Yeah. Uh, at least the biggest things. But um, the, the add-ons is hard. I mean, if we haven't seen it, we can just talk about things we don't know. Oh, we can. And then we have <laughs> we expand the podcast forever. But um, no, I think we have already seen everything. Yeah. The release candidate number one has been released. Number two is planned, but I haven't heard of big. Um, because usually it just happens usually. So yeah. People um, should just submit their bugs. Yeah, we'll exactly. Um, if you want to test it, if you haven't tested yet, you can go to blender.org slash download. And there is a nice little um, button there that says download release candidate. It will download for your own platform or you can click on other platforms that you can do other specific Is stuff. there any date for the release uh, yet? Uh, no, it depends usually on the... on we, how many bugs are reported, how many showstoppers are reported. Um, but better no dates, like when it when it's yeah, ready. Like yeah. on, on Blender.org, we published that the first release candidate will be ready in July. And then it was July 31st and people were complaining and like, where is it? Where is oh, it? Yeah. Like, yes. Like, where is it? It's almost the end. It's August here already. August 1st. Where is it? And uh, it's better to not give dates because... Mm. It got delayed for for a few things, and uh, it better be ready when it's ready. Yeah, oh. or mm. just use BuildBot. Yes, yeah, go yeah, to yeah, the same place, Blender.org/slash/download, and there is the bleeding edge section yeah. at the bottom where you can get it. Um, but maybe not in production. Yeah. Well, I mean, we use it in production, so yeah, yeah. But we're, we we have doctors in the house. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like the build bot is fine. Don't use two point eight, but <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I wait. What? <laughs> right. All right. I think that's uh, everything yeah. for today. Yeah. 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 Thank you very much, guys, for joining. Yeah, and in two weeks, the two guys, the two. Adventurers will come back. Yes, Yaldi and Francesco will be great here. Tales, uh, ta- ta- tales, 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 ta- stories, <laughs> fables. <laughs> uh, we can't wait for them to come back. So uh, that's it. See you in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Blender Animation Studio podcast, brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Is your face not angular enough? Make yourself low poly on the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org.